0: If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to open to Philippians chapter 3. All right, if you don't have one, there's going to be one on the screen. Not any worry there, all right? Today is our last Sunday in a series called Glory. All right, we have been talking about the idea that Christianity looks different in different places and at different times, okay? And, And sometimes that's okay, but other times we need to ask the question why does my faith look different? Well, why is that? Is that okay? Is, is there something that I'm missing in this? So we've talked about how this can be something that we should probably feel tension over. Um, what that means is simply we should never feel like we have the whole thing figured out. All right, and we need to just kind of, uh, we can't ever put our relationship with God on autopilot and think, okay, I've got this figured out, I'm good. All right, now if you haven't been here, this series has been a little bit of a, at least a gut punch for me. Okay, of really trying to dive in and be like, where, where am I missing this? When I look at other Christians around the world, especially those in like persecuted countries, um, and, and the way that they just, they, they go after God with passion. Like, why do I not always have that? Some days maybe I do, and other days I'm just kind of falling flat. Um, and when I look at the book of Acts in the early church, and I look at the way that they lived things out, like, again, I find myself just wanting at different times. And so that's kind of been uh, this idea of this series, that we should ask these questions, we should wrestle with some things, all right? And, and so I, I think that we need to make sure that, that we understand this in the right way, though. Um, and, and so some of this, I want to actually kind of take a little bit of time and even address a few things, conversations I've had since the beginning of this series with different people, all right? Um, and I want to kind of ask, or point out some of these things and say, hey, this is this is important for us to remember, okay? Because as we talked about this, we said that we think some of the reason for this, I think some of the reason for this difference is because of the wealth that I have compared to most places in the world. And I'll say the wealth that you have compared to most places in the world. Okay, some of this uh, is because of the, uh, the safety that I have, I'm not concerned about anyone kicking down the doors today while I'm at church or coming into my house while I'm praying with my family and arresting me. Okay? and Some of this is, I think, because of the freedoms that I have. Living in America where we have the freedom of religion. And so I think that now all of this, I want to kind of go through this. These are not inherently bad, all right? Each one of these things, they are not inherently bad. But I think they, they obviously will impact my walk with Jesus. And that impact, it can be negative if I allow it to be. Okay, and that's what we have to kind of understand here. So we have looked at that tension. We have looked at how pride uh, plays into us um, and, and how that changes things. And then last week, we talked about the idea of counting the cost to follow Jesus um, it, it, and how the cost is different for every person. The cost that is expected of us might be the same. But the cost that I pay versus the cost that you pay is probably different. And the cost that you pay versus someone else in the world is different. Because we are asked to give up certain things, to take certain steps, and some people aren't. And that's not always fair, but it is what it is. And so I want us to just kind of go through these things. Before I jump in today, and, and, and try and make sure that we don't have a misunderstanding of anything here, okay? Now, we said this the first week a lot, like half a dozen times. This series is not supposed to make us feel guilty. Okay, if you have felt guilty in any of this, I just want to tell you right now that that's, that's not what the feeling is supposed to be. And just kind of reject that guilt and say, nope, that's, that's not what it is. Now, there's a difference between guilt and conviction, Okay, and we have to understand that, but we are not necessarily supposed to be feeling guilty um, because of the country that we are born in, or the family that we are born to, or because of the job that we have and the income that we have. Like you're not supposed to feel guilty uh, about those things. All right. Now, in the first week, we read a story about Sister Yoon, who basically she was in China, she was forced to vocalize whether she was going to uh, stay committed to Jesus. She was in prison. Or if she wanted to denounce Jesus and then be able to go and take care of her her two children who were like seven and nine or eight and nine and she was a widow and she kind of makes this this crazy decision to say nothing can replace Jesus, even my children. And it was this like gut-wrenching story of how she spends 23 years in prison then and her kids basically walk away from God, want nothing to do with God and she has no relationship with them even once she gets out, they don't want anything to do with her. And I'm, and reading that story, like, okay, again, I want to kind of correct anything in here. Like, that is not necessarily saying that this is how we have to live. Okay, what it's meant to do is like this tension of, wow, how, what would I do in that situation? I, I don't know what I would do. In that. And like, you're supposed to walk away from that questioning things and, and trying to press in and understand things better. Okay, that's not meant to be a, uh, an example for every single one of us to follow. Uh, then then in, in the one week we said pride is a lot of different definitions. Okay, so don't walk away from that week when we say pride is a bad thing. Don't let pride rule your life. Uh, and you're asking the question, well, can't I be proud of my children if they do well in school? Uh, yes, you can. Like, that's, again, different definitions of pride and how pride impacts us. So let's make sure that we aren't letting some of these things uh, change our mindset in this. All right? Uh, none of the statements made in the series were meant to be, like, an all-encompassing, sweeping statement of everybody. Even when I say that, in general, the cost to follow Jesus in America tends to be less than following Jesus in other countries. Okay, that's not always true of everybody. That's not always true of every other country. And that's not always true of everyone in America. Different people in this room, you have paid different costs to follow Jesus. Okay, what that's meant to do is, again, get us to kind of start asking those questions. To reflect on our life. And okay, where is this at? Maybe I have paid a lot to follow Jesus. Maybe I haven't. And we're supposed to walk through these types of questions. All right, what I'm concerned about in some of these, uh, in this series, is because it's kind of been raw and not super well put together in every single way. We've been asking questions and and probing things. Uh, What it's meant to do is is to just cause us to question things and to really ask things from a genuine place, all right? And what I'm afraid of is that in these weeks, that there might have been one thing that was said here or there, and that kind of jumps some other thought in your mind and maybe then it, it began to distract even from what God was wanting to speak to you on that day or something. And that's, that happens to me all the time. I'll become fixated on one thing and whether it's something I like or I don't like. And then, and then I know I have to kind of calm down and be like, okay, God, what is it that you're wanting to speak to me? Alright, so I wanted to just kind of walk through some of this. If you've had uh, any frustrations or any questions in this series, please, uh, by all means, feel free to reach out. I've had different people reach out at times. That's why I know some of the different things of how they have hit people. Alright, so, so let's just kind of, uh, let, let's be ready for today as we wrap this up. Let's stand together if you're willing and able. I want to read this passage. Alright, Philippians 3, and I'm going to start in verse 12. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. God, we pray this morning as we go through this passage that you would illuminate new things, highlight different areas of our life, God, and just speak to us today that all of this would be wrapped up in a way uh, that would challenge us and, and, and truly change our lives. We ask that in your name. Amen. All right, you guys can have a seat. So in this passage that we just read, the Apostle Paul is talking about this uh, sort of the same thing that... That we want from this series, he's saying, "I don't have it all figured out. I still have more to accomplish. I have more to learn, and more change to happen inside of me." All right, but he also, if you kind of look at his wording there, he isn't um, taking an apathetic approach, uh, and he's kind of he isn't saying like, "Well, you know what? Nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody's perfect." So hey, I gave it, you know, a a good a good shot. And that's just all that matters. You know, like he, he really has this, like, this desire, almost obsessive desire to constantly be working this out and to be growing uh, better in his walk and growing closer to God. He doesn't ever seem to be satisfied with, like, where he is spiritually. He always knows there's another step that he can take. All right. And, and that's saying something because, again, this is the Apostle Paul. He wrote two thirds of our New Testament. So if he's saying he hasn't really figured it out yet, I think it's safe to say I probably haven't figured it out, okay? that's. Can we all make that leap and kind of just... All right. Uh, and so when we've been saying that we should feel tension in this series as we look at our walk with Jesus, what we mean by that is we should know that we still have more to go, that we should be earnestly, passionately, desperately uh, pursuing Jesus with everything that we have. And maybe uh, that right there is like as far as, as we need to go to realize that there is a difference between us and some other believers. Maybe we're sitting here today saying, I am not pursuing Jesus with everything that I have. And that will make a difference in our walk. Maybe you just don't really care. Maybe you did at one point, but you're just like, this isn't a big priority, and it's just not really part of who you are. It isn't, you know really all of who you are. It's not this defining characteristic about you. And if that's where you are, I hope that this series, again, can prod you uh, a little bit, light a fire under you, and start to ask the questions like, does this matter? All right, and and so I I love C.S. Lewis. Um, He just has a way of putting things that make sense. It's this different kind of left-field, artistic writer way of doing it. And this quote uh, is absolutely brilliant. He says, Christianity, if false, is of no importance no importance, and if true, of infinite importance, the only thing it cannot be is moderately important. Christianity cannot be moderately important. Either it is a waste of our time if it's not true, or it is the most important thing that will ever matter in your life. That is the message of Christianity. It cannot be moderately important. If what Jesus has said, what the Bible has passed on, what the church has done for the last 2,000 years, uh, is true, then this matters more than anything. Paul obviously sees this as true and of infinite importance. He's devoted his life to pursuing uh, this and he is challenging others and helping others to do the same. But what we are saying here is like no matter how good you are, no matter how long you've been doing this, no matter how much you've changed, you've never figured out the perfect way. You have not arrived. You have not achieved it. There's always more. So this idea of us feeling tension, this this isn't new. It's actually fundamental to being a follower of Jesus. So this is good. Tension is good. Frustrations can be good when it drives us deeper. Questions are good when we actually pursue the answers. Also, the problem of, of Christians drifting away, becoming apathetic and not caring like they should, not living the way they should, like that, that isn't new either. All right, And I know in this series, I've kind of harped on us, the American Western church, um, but this doesn't just pertain to us. This is for everyone. And we all have different hurdles. We all have different stumbling blocks. And it's our responsibility to keep moving forward. And in fact, I, I want to look at a spot where John uh, writes a letter to seven churches... And he's talking about some of the same type of idea uh, that we're going through. And it's actually not even John, it's, it's Jesus that's speaking. Alright, then we're going to wrap this up and, and hopefully be able to be better followers of Jesus as we apply this. So if you have a Bible, otherwise it'll be on the screen, you can open up again to the book of Revelation. Alright, we are going to be in Revelation uh, chapter 2. John, at this time, is exiled on the island of Patmos. Alright, because he was teaching about Jesus. Okay, so we have this map behind me. You can see that little red dot. This is just Google Maps, all right? I took a screenshot of it. That red area right there, that is where he is stranded. Okay, now in this next one here, we're going to zoom in. It's going to zoom in into kind of that red square. I don't want you to get lost as we move here, okay? So he's on this island. Jesus appears to him, begins to speak to him, and he says, write everything down that I'm going to tell you. And the first thing Jesus talks about is these seven churches that are in Asia Minor. Okay? And now as we can see this, this is like modern day Turkey. all right. And we are just going to read the parts written to the churches. I'm going to read through about half of them. Kind of jump through. I want us to get the feeling of what was going on in early churches then. And I'm pretty sure as I read these, you will probably start to understand that the church then faced some of the same problems that we face today. We are not unique in all of these. Okay, so just kind of pay attention to what is being said here. It's not going to be on the screen. I'm just going to read it. Okay, so first, he writes something to the church in Ephesus. And it says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. All right, so he's saying, you don't love me the way you did. Okay, we're going to skip the church in Smyrna, going to the church in Pergamum. He says, I know that you live in the city where Satan has his throne. You thought it was lived to, hard to live here at times. All right, you live in the city where Satan has his throne. Yet you have remained loyal to me. You refuse to deny me even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred. Among you there in Satan's city. But I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you whose teaching is like that of Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to sin by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In a similar way, you have some Nicolaitans among you who follow the same teaching. Repent of your sins, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword in my mouth. skip the church in Thyatira, go to the church in Sardis. I know all the things you do, and that you have a reputation for being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what little remains, for even what is left is almost dead. I find that your actions do not meet the requirements of my God. Go back to what you heard and believed at first. Hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. If you don't wake up, I will come to you suddenly, as unexpected as a thief. Yet there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. All who are victorious will be clothed in white. I will never erase their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my Father and his angels that they are mine. Skip the church in Philadelphia. Last one, church in Laodicea. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold, I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me. Gold that has been purified by fire. Then you will be rich. Also by white garments from me, so you will not be shamed by your nakedness. An ointment for your eyes, so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love, so be diligent and turn from your indifference. So again, this, is, this isn't even John speaking to them. This is actually Jesus saying these words to John. And At the end there, he's saying, you're rich, but you're rich in the wrong things. You're rich in things that don't matter. The things that actually matter, you don't have. So what are we dealing with here? The problems that we see in these churches that we read about and some of the other ones that we didn't read about, All right, like they are very similar to us. I'm going to list these off quickly. They're apathetic, lackluster. They lack passion that they once had. Their relationship with God has become routine. They have allowed people to distort the teaching of how it is that they're supposed to live. There's intense cultural pressure around them to change. They've allowed someone to remain in leadership who isn't fit for leadership, shouldn't be there, isn't living for God. They know what to say and how to look and how to like, pretend to be good Christians, but they're dead on the inside. They're wealthy and they no longer feel the need to depend on God. And they're being distracted from what really matters. Okay, like When you look at this list, what, what does this look like? This is not too far from the same things that we deal with, right? I'm not saying that this is you, that you're all these awful things, or I'm all these awful things. But you know what? I think at some point I have probably fallen into each one of these. And I think as a whole, this this could probably, various parts of this could describe our churches around the area, around the, the country, around the world. You know, so this is something that was happening right away in the early church. And we're still dealing with it today. What this tells me is that the issues that we face today aren't new. They might look a little different, but they are the same things followers of Jesus have always had to battle or deal with. And we we have to battle with them because Jesus is calling the church to something more than this. This isn't Paul or John. This This is Jesus speaking these words. So these are problems that we can't let remain in our lives and in our communities. What this also tells me is that these problems will probably always be there in some way. What I mean by that is we might be able to figure it out, we might be able to work it out for a season, but how many of you guys know the second you think you've conquered something in your life and you begin to kind of walk in arrogance because you're like, yeah, yeah, I used to deal with that, I'm good now, it finds a new way to sneak back into your life, doesn't it? You know, this is something if you've if you've ever gone through like recovery things or talked with someone who's gone through recovery things, they'll say, nope, this is this is a problem for the rest of my life. Even though they maybe have been sober for decades, they'll say, that's still a problem for me. I can't ever begin to relax around that. I have to keep my guard up. And I think that's what these are for us. I think that in a way, these are going to continue to be present. We have to continually kind of to fight them in a way like just picture like whack-a-mole where it's just like you're trying to hit the one that pops up at that time as soon as I get that one down this one over here kind of begins to pop up you're like oh man you go over and hit that one down and th- this is kind of just what our life is like and I keep talking about how for us freedom wealth safety they might have these negative side effects in our walk with God and that's true but every person every community has their own things they deal with yeah, there, there are negative side effects that come from uh, living with all the freedom that we have. Okay, we can begin to take things for granted. But there also, there can be negative side effects for people that are living in this constant state of persecution. I'm sure that, that they're different from us though. At times, I'm sure it's just hard to stand up for what they believe in. And you have these moments where it's just constantly wearing on them. And there's going to be negative side effects that can slip in there. Every follower of Jesus has circumstances in their life that that are pulling them away from God and towards this world. And they aren't all the same. Even in this room, we have different things. Some are the same because we live in the same country or same town or different, the same areas, and our lives are similar. But everything's going to be different. And here's where I want to sort of pull all of this together and, and kind of end this this message in this series in fact like let's let's stand up as we as we kind of close this together if we do believe in Jesus if we think that that's true which i would venture to say that that most likely the the majority of the people in the room are in that spot i'm not going to assume that everybody is but that the majority of us think that this is true, the Bible's true, Jesus is real, then this matters. And it cannot be somewhat important. It can't, it, this, this has to be the most important thing. This needs to be the priority in our life. Everything else should be filtered through this. And you know, the word priority is funny. I, I've shared this before, but it's a 14th century word kind of where it first started appearing and it means like first in rank all right and that word had been used for about 700 years uh or whatever this is and and then the the plural version of it priorities that word never really showed up in writing a whole lot before the 1900s and then in about the 1940s the term priorities plural began to spike as people begin to use that word more and more. And then for some weird reason, it, it dips again, kind of mid-40s. And it's actually like, uh, when, when was it? I wrote it down here, six, mid-60s. It begins to become popular again. Like what that means is this. For many, many, many years, people have understood that there can only be one thing that is first in rank. And then in our modern world, we tried to have it all. And we decided, I'm going to pluralize this idea of priorities. And I can have multiple things that are first rank in my life. I can have my family, my, my spouse, my kids, uh, my job. I can have all these things right up there as first in rank. And, and Jesus hasn't left that spot. He's first in rank. But there's just others that are first in rank. And, and, and as I say that, we probably realize how, how silly that is. That there's just simply one priority. There's one thing that can be first in rank. The real struggle that this whole series brings isn't, you know, what country do you live in? What time do you live in? How much do you have or not have? The real focus needs to be this. Is Jesus more important than anything else in your life? And that is a very simple but very difficult and challenging question. Is Jesus more important than anything else? Anything else that's in your life? I realize it, like, it's this churchy kind of question. The greatest commandment Jesus says is this, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. That's difficult to do on a daily basis, but we are called to do it. Jesus says in, in uh Matthew 6 he says but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well seek first and then our verse from last week Luke 14 says if you want to be my disciple you must by comparison hate everyone else your father and mother wife and children brothers and sisters yes even your own life otherwise you cannot be my disciple that that is so challenging says by comparison what that means is that okay your love for me first place first rank in your life versus what is second the gap between those two should be so great that if you were to apply that to anywhere else in your life like hey here's how much I love this kid and here's how much I love this other kid of mine no I'm kidding we all have our favorite. You're like, hey, this is this is how much I love this, and this is how much I love this. If if any other gap looked as big as this gap between me and what's second, people would think you love the one thing and hate the other. That's how big the gap is. He's not saying you have to hate your family. He's saying, by comparison, what that looks like, the gap between where I am, where I am first place, versus where second place is, it should be so massive. And yet, instead, we try and put everything on the same playing field. We aren't even like allowing a little bit of a gap. We're putting everything together as our priorities in life. Whether Jesus is the most important thing in our life is the biggest question that we ever have to face, and we have to answer it. But then after answering it, we have to live it out. Marriage is about the only relationship that carries the same idea of covenant of the relationship we have with God that our relationship with God has. And then so when people get married, they stand there and they make vows and pledges to each other. But it doesn't stop there. Right. Like you don't just say it that day and then however you live after that is good. Every single day you have to live out oh, that vow that for better or worse in sickness and in health whatever your vows were you wrote your own vows that were crazy and off the wall whatever it is you have to live that out it doesn't just stop at the wedding and say well i said it then what does it matter now if i'm treating you like dirt uh it matters And it's the same in our covenant relationship with God. Like you maybe at one point said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want you to be first in my life. But are you living that out each day? Because for Jesus to be Lord of our life is a totally different thing. That to truly be Lord of our life, to rule over everything in our life. I give everything to you. Like, so in a perfect day of following Jesus, Jesus should be the reason behind everything in a perfect day. You know, like, why did you do that? Why did you buy that? Why did you say that? Jesus. Jesus is the answer for all of those. Everything is brought back to him. That's a high calling. Now, that's a perfect day. And what did we start this whole message off with? We are not perfect. I don't have many of those perfect days where everything I do, say, buy, everything has to do with Jesus. But that is my goal. That is what I'm shooting for. That is what Jesus has called me to and I'm going to keep trying. And when I fail, I'm going to get up, brush myself off, and try again. Because that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus and to be a Christian. And I think that's what makes it hard for us, is there, there are so many things in our life to distract us. It's sort of like that quote from the book about believers in China. They, he says, persecution keeps them on the run, and it's hard to sleep when you are running. I'm not on the run all the time. And I find myself taking naps in my walk with Jesus. And it's an area that I need to get better in. I need to move forward and just pursue him with everything I have. We want to live in a way where we can minimize distractions, stay on focus, live for Jesus, build his kingdom, implement his rule in our life, the lives around us and in this world. That's what we are called to do. We need to feel the tension of the things in our life that are constantly trying to replace Jesus as the main focus. I want to close in prayer, but I want us to ask this question of ourselves seriously today. And maybe you don't feel like you can answer it right now, but ask this question, is Jesus the most important thing in your life? Jesus, right now we come to you. God, and we, I ask for forgiveness for the moments where I have I have put other things on the same playing field as you. God, where I have minimized uh, your lordship in my life, where I've tried to take control back and make my own decisions. God, and I pray that this, this tension that we have tried to feel through this series, Lord, that that would continue with us. God, that every single day I would find a way to feel that pressure. And it's hard when we don't have persecution that is constantly nipping at our heels, Lord, to continue to feel that pressure of, do I care enough about this to keep going after you with everything I have? God, it's so easy for us to just kind of slip into just this apathetic mood like the church in Ephesus where we just don't love you like we did at the beginning. We don't love other people the way we did at the beginning. But God, change us, change our hearts in this. Lord, we ask this in your name. God, that you continue to challenge us this week, that as we live things out, as we make decisions, as we talk to people, that this would come into our mind of, am I doing this for Jesus? Is everything coming back to him? Lord, we we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.